On this episode of the SSI Executive Conversations podcast, Darwin talks with Mark Sellers, author of The Funnel Principle, about the customer buying journey. They discuss the critical steps every business owner needs to take in order to lay out a process to see what your customer's needs are. More importantly, they discuss how to identify hurdles that may be preventing your customers from reaching your product. Well, I am extremely excited to have Mark Sellers on the SSI Executive Conversations podcast today. Uh, welcome, Mark. Thank you, Darwin. I, I first met Mark, met you around 2013, 14, I believe. Um, I was at PSS, which had just been purchased by McKesson. And our vice president of sales, Brian Johnson, bought all of his sales leaders uh, a copy of your book, The Funnel Principle. Uh, it made a, a significant impact on me and really completely changed my perception of sales funnel management and, and how I applied that with my teams from that point forward. Uh, Mark then published his second book called Blind Spots, The Hidden Killers of Sales Coaching in 2019. Uh, at this point, uh, uh, over 120 sales teams around the world have implemented uh, his sales system, which includes proprietary uh, proprietary buying journey, sales model, uh, the buy cycle funnel. Uh, the buy cycle funnel model 20 years ago helped launch a new standard in the sales process design. And so uh, I'm excited to have you on here because as SI continues to grow as we move into you know, our eight year anniversary and bringing more value to, to our partners, uh, commercial top talent and commercial launch strategies is, is a big part of that. So I'm excited to have you share your expertise and your experience with our following. So. Welcome, and I, I really appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure, and thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, why don't, why don't you get us started uh, talking a little bit uh, about what exactly, from your perspective, is the customer buying journey? Sure, sure. That's a good place to start. <laughs> it's such a foundation of everything we do, but I think it's also, uh, what I'm saying now is it's the new standard work. So taking a page out of lean, you know, business uh, practices, standard work is something that you just, you do, uh, routinely, uh, uh, rotely, if you will. And it's just, it's the way you run your, whatever process it might be. The customer buying journey was something that I think I, I formalized what other people were kicking around. Rackham was kicking around in spin selling the idea of a buying process. Uh, Bosworth, Bosworth was kicking around the idea of a buying journey with solution selling. But I said, why isn't there something more formal, defined, et cetera, that lays this out? Because unless I'm crazy or I'm missing something, I think that the world of sales needs this. So very yeah. simple, the customer buying journey is just a way to map out the, the stages and the milestones that a customer goes through when they make a purchase. It's yeah. that simple. So people sometimes refer to it as similar to stage gating in mm -hmm product development or other kinds of processes. And, and I say, yeah, I mean, as much as I know about stage gating, I think there's some similarity there, but it's very simple and, but it's, it's also very powerful. I, I agree uh, completely. And from a, you know, program management, project management standpoint, we've done a lot of work with partners in that area, helping a client start the first uh, PMO um, I didn't really understand, I think, stage gating from that terminology until I got into this, uh, into this business and then working with candidates. And then I started to understand that. I think you're, you're absolutely correct. And that was a really 
I think a light bulb moment for me because maybe not how I managed the sales cycle or reached out to potential uh, clients back when I was in the sales world, but it was much more uh, sales activity driven. I, I, you know, I worked hard today. I did these activities and obviously you have to have positive outcomes and you have to gain market share and those kind of things. Uh, but from uh, getting into a leadership standpoint and then understanding how you bring real data so the executive team can make decisions um, more appropriately, that was a real um, it was, it was a real big moment in terms of thinking of that and thinking about how I'm grading my activities completely wrong mm -hmm. based on that activity versus the customer. So why don't you kind of share with us why it, it is more effective from your perspective? Well, I think um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, half of the nail on the head. I'll, I'll give you the other half. Um, for years, you know, in, 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 in you and I are both old enough to, to know what it used to be like when we went through two weeks of training um, at the yeah. Marriott or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> really focused on product stuff and selling activity. And as I tell people today, um, that's not a recipe for disaster. It's not a recipe for failure. Uh, far be it for me to, to suggest anything like that. I just think there's a more effective way. And I think yeah. when, we, when we focus instead of on our selling activities, what we have to do next in the sales process, mm -hmm. and instead of that, focus more on the customer commitments, the commitments we need stakeholders to make, then great things can happen. Um, and that, that's because when somebody goes through a purchase journey, they have to make commitments. They don't go through a sales process. They go through a buying journey and they do that by making commitments. So it seems subtle. And it's interesting when I go through the training and we introduce, let's, we normally customize this bicycle funnel for clients and we introduce it to them and they neither had like, okay, that makes sense. And inevitably, you know, a month later when we're having a conversation about a deal or a funnel audit or something, they, they don't get it yet. <laughs> and six months later, some of them still don't get it. So it's right. deceptively very simple, and yet we have to kind of unlearn what we have been taught over the yeah. years. And that's a, that's a, from a human nature standpoint, that's very difficult. So the key is net net, we focus on the commitments that customers are making um, to determine where they are in their journey. And then our selling activities, here's the influence. We're trying to influence them to make certain commitments, right? Yeah. Broker a meeting with another stakeholder. Um, introduce us to somebody. Um, help us with a gatekeeper. Give us insight. Give us some intelligence about the business impact of the problems we're talking about. All of those are examples of commitments. And so when we, when we get those from those stakeholders, we should feel like we're making progress. Yeah. As you're talking about this, I think, I, you know, I grew up my first real sales training for me that was impactful was Tom Hopkins and his different, you know, sales clothes and the Benjamin Franklin. And you got all these different types of closes. Yeah. Um, my evolution in, in this area of, of my life, because I think for a lot of people, the word sales, right, is kind of a dirty word or, you know, I could never do sales. And I think that, first of all, nobody really wants to be sold anything. Um, I, and then, you, you know, Miller Hyman and consultative approach and what what people need and 
I always say every time you interact, you gain credibility, you lose it. And I think you take the funnel aspect and how you manage that, how you interact with the, the uh, client or the prospective client. If you don't understand how they make their decisions and what's important to them, then how can you bring the right tool or solution or process to the table for them that's a mutually beneficial win? And at the end of the day, to me, relationships and if you're selling something, I always looked at it. I want to build a relationship where there's another opportunity, another opportunity. You build a relationship and no relationship uh, that's mutually beneficial from my perspective typically lasts very long. So I think there's, I don't know if you could maybe speak to, to your journey and sort of the sales approach and how that ties into it. Um, but I, I think that might be an interesting, uh, interesting thought at this point. Well, you used the word epiphany. I, I had an epiphany when I created this, this bicycle funnel model, which led me to writing this, this book, Funnel Principle. I was selling Miller Hyman. I was a consultant for them for 11 years, independent yeah. consultant. That's their channel of the market. I love their stuff. It's good stuff. Right. It and uh, four, day, four years or so into that, I just started thinking, as good as this stuff is, there's something missing. And I've always been kind of a bit of a tinkerer and, and just you know want to explore and learn more. And eventually... That seed led to me uh, coming coming across a number of things, including it's just weird how things come at you when you start <laughs> to put intention to stuff, right? Right, I mean, absolutely. In our personal lives, we start attracting different kinds of people to us when we break some bad habits, get rid of some you know some bad patterns in our lives or whatever. And um, I remembered a book that I had in college written by Roger Blackwell, the marketing professor at Ohio State. It was called Consumer Behavior, and it's 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 used all over the world and has been for years. He had a decision-making model in there called the EKB model of decision-making Engel, Collett and Blackwell, three professors. And I huh. found it, you know, in my, in my bookcase somewhere buried like, wow. Yeah. You know, so that got me interested. And then I started finding that was more B to C business to consumer. My world is B to B. So I kept looking for, for B to B models and I had a hard time finding any, but I did find some stuff from a guy named Jagdish Sheth, another professor again at uh, the University of Pittsburgh. So not to get into the weeds, but just all of these things were placed in front of me. And I, I pursued and explored and was curious. And pretty soon I just kept thinking, I think there's something here. I, I floated the idea to uh, a division of Goodyear that 150 salespeople right. and pitched the idea to them. This was before the book was written. And they said, this sounds very interesting. And we rolled out the training, I, I productized it and they loved it. And I said, this has got some legs, which led me eventually to leave Miller Hyman on good terms. And I said, I need to devote a hundred percent of my time to see if I can make a go of this, this, this idea um, called Funnel Principle. So I spent some time writing the book and I, the book was ready. And then I published it. I'm right. That was when I split with Miller Hyman or split from Miller Hyman. And it's a good move because <laughs> I, <laughs> absolutely I enjoyed what I really enjoy what I'm doing. And, um, uh, I'm more successful, you know, commercially and, you know, and, and that's all fun and everything, but it also led to just a whole different journey. And, um, I've, I've enjoyed that journey the last, you know, 12, 14 years. Well, I, I'm certainly glad that happened. You certainly made an impact in, uh, my career from that perspective and how I look at, 
funnel management and how important it is to making sure that the right information and that that your sales team is creating their funnel based on that buying journey because otherwise that information that comes up to the executive team and how you forecast and how you look at when you're going to make decisions to spend money and as a as a business owner now if the information into that is is incorrect then you're not going to be making the best decisions and the most efficient decisions so uh, so pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of look at, maybe you could talk a little bit, how does someone begin to identify and sell to their customers buying journey? So, um, all roads kind of come back to the stakeholder commitments, but really, really making those a priority. So if you think about any deal, like, like right now, you could go to your funnel, your pipeline, mm -hmm. grab a deal you're working on and ask yourself, okay, um, in my process, whatever I use, where do I think that deal is in the process? Why do I think it's there? And a lot of times I think you're going to get something like this. It's there because of something I've done. Right. It's at the proposal stage. Why? Because I proposed I, it. It's at the sample stage. It's at the trial stage. Why? So if, if that's true, then and you have a funnel full of those, again, not a recipe for disaster guaranteed, but I think there's a better way. What you could do is you could challenge yourself to say this, what commitments have stakeholders made in, um, in this sale that I've been trying to make? Right. So have people introduced you to other stakeholders, which open doors to having different kinds of conversations with economic buyers, champions, uh, people, uh, PFAs would call in person with financial authority. Did that happen? Did somebody commit um, to giving you some pretty good information about the organization and where they are and their appetite for, you know, you, you, you selling whatever it is you're selling to them right now, all of that stuff. So if you can, if you can find the commitments that cu customers have made, you're going to maybe prove to yourself that the reason you are where you are is because of those commitments, not so much of because of the selling activities. Um, so I would, I would, I would do that. And I think, I think it'd be a, a really interesting conversation among a team to, to go through an exercise like that. I think it would, it would reveal some, um, some pretty good insights. Oh, I think that's extremely smart. And as we've continued to grow, I think outcomes, I mean, if you're not measuring your outcomes and your efficiencies to create best practices, that's not good. Uh, in terms of understanding the health of the company, where you're going. And from an analytics standpoint, that's where we're really moving as a company in terms of analytics, in terms of the tools that we bring to the table for our clients and why they should partner with us in certain ways, depending on what they're looking for, uh, for the right outcome. And so when you talk about those different uh, activities, if you're not looking at your funnel and determining uh, how how efficient, how accurate, how accurate your assumptions are, then how are, your ability to predict whether or not you're going to hit goal, whether or not if you want to expand into a new market, whether you want to add on a new product, your ability to to really understand where you're at and how your resources, because you only have so many resources. And so obviously, if you're not targeting the right place in sales, then that's that's a big problem. If you're not targeting the right audience. But then if you're not customizing your approach and how you interact with them based on what matters to them 
And in this point, their buying process and how they make decisions, then, as you said, not not disastrous, but you're missing out on greater efficiency. Yeah, yeah. And if you manage a team and you have, let's say you're a sales manager and you have six salespeople and and a salesperson has one, maybe two of those deals where they're, 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 they think they're farther along the process than they really are, chances are your entire team has a set of those. Right. Chances are that there's more than you actually think they have. So you could be looking at a region funnel or a division funnel, a half, you know, West Coast, East Coast, North America global funnel <laughs> that is really not as accurate as you need it to be, which really speaks to when you when you get opportunity, we're, we're talking about deals, opportunities. When you get opportunity management right, then that automatically makes you more effective in managing your funnel because you're right. going to have a funnel full of more accurate information. Um, so, I mean, a lot of times we'll, we'll do baselines uh, before and after. Uh, give me your funnel value and either by by sales rep or by region or whatever and then we take them through our process and everything and 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 we use the bicycle funnel to say you can only value in your funnel the deals that are past what we now call the checkbox which is state or it's not a stage but it's a checkbox it's where the customer says we're committed to buying something from somebody we're not thinking about it we haven't budgeted for it we're right. committed to buy something from somebody we're not um, kicking the tires. We're actually exactly. It's going to be a part of the PNL. Yes, and so for so then I say, well, that's your funnel value. All of those, everything that is not past that checkbox yet, it's maybe very important, and you need to have visibility to that back to lean. But mm -hmm. you don't add the deal values for those early stage ones and twos kinds of opportunities, and so that you know cut off that threshold, we see funnels go from three and a half million to, you know, 1.2 million and the reps go, right. what happened? And uh, what we say is what we've, we've made your funnel a lot more accurate. And that's a good thing. And but you think yet. about uh, a sales leader's time management as you go, whether that's a sales manager, director, all the way up to the vice president of sales, business development, marketing, whatever it is. But in terms of if okay east coast west coast you have different sections and if your funnel management process is not as accurate as possible you might think that you have a region that's super healthy and is going to generate a certain amount of revenue and and then be to your point completely surprised 3.5 now it's 1.5 what what happened and they spent their time and additional training and energy in an area where really they missed out on the area that needed the most, all because their baseline of funnel principles is is not as efficient, not as accurate as it could be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what I do every day. In my business, I do a little bit of training and then a whole lot of coaching and listening to deal reviews, listening to funnel audits, and then coaching managers, et cetera. And just recently, two of these popped up. I had a guy yesterday say that they had a, a deal that was 99% uh, confident to be retained okay. an existing customer that basically they lost, okay? And, and he's, he's a new chief revenue officer. He's like, how does that happen? 95% uh, gone. 9%, yeah. And then I have another, uh, I have a, a new client right now too that um, they have a large deal for them 
that they think is, I'm just going to use their terms. They think it's about 75%, 80% down the, the path and they're feeling really, really good about their chances. Okay. Well, guess what? They just got bought the company, not my client, but who they're selling to just got bought. And I say time out because how many times do you see an acquiring company come in and say, oh, you're about ready to spend $5.3 million on X, Y, and Z. Go for it. All right. You know, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to ask any <laughs> questions about that. So um, it's high profile, it's exposure. And I said, you guys, you guys need to be asking some questions fast to see where this is and where it could be going. So um, my point is, I mean, and these are both, these are pros. Yeah. You know, the, so this is, these mistakes can still be made really commonly. These are not your rookies making these mistakes. These are not just your C players. These are your B players. And yeah. sometimes your A players making these mistakes. Um, and, you know, they're just too costly to make if you can avoid them. Well, and it's not, I mean, humbly, when I read your book, I mean, I had success in, in sales. And when I first started, I wasn't a very good leader at all, but I had a great mentor. And then I started to get, to get better in that, in that area. I, I was always, you know, a hard worker. Um, and I think had people's best interest in terms of why I was, you know, targeting them, they could use that product or that service. Yeah. But when I got this book, you, you, the, you know, funnel man, uh, principle and read through it, 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 it changed that paradigm of how you look at things with something that's, that's brought me value the rest of my career. And to your point, I mean, I wasn't, was I, you know, a horrible salesperson or sales manager, not necessarily, but. I didn't have that frame of reference that once you look at it the right way, you're just going to be more efficient by default because you're feeling, first of all, you're, you're, uh, the data you're looking at is more accurate. So then you can diagnose what your challenges are and make better decisions. Yeah, that's exactly right. It just sets up a whole different kind of conversation between managers and their salespeople. Right. A good conversation, a healthy I, I conversation, agree. you know? And, um, and that's what I'm trying to do, you know, in, in getting the frontline leaders to have better coaching conversations about their deals, about their account reviews, and yes, of course, about their, their sales funnels. Well, I had my, my last question for you, we kind of got into organically in terms of how it can impact, you know, uh, the organization and the sales funnel management. And you kind of already gave some great examples there, but as we, you know, I started SSI focused more on technical rules, on quality and regulatory and engineering. And then we, over the last couple of years, uh, two and a half years, started to get into more commercial roles and then brought on Brian Stegall to help drive that. But, we're, you know, probably a third of our clients are newer companies that have a product on the market now, and then maybe they're looking to go into commercial launch. And so uh, I was really excited to have you on because I... So we just got done talking about, right? Uh, sometimes A players can, can, can make this mistake. So if we can uh, share some information and some content and lead them to, to, to your books uh, and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe some consulting opportunities for what you do, that's going to be better for those companies, the health of their companies, and as they grow to, pro to, to project, make those projections uh, more accurately. We're here to help any way we can. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mark. I really appreciate your time and uh, wish you an incredible 2023. Thank you again, Darwin. I enjoyed it.
for the video recording of this podcast, along with additional resources. Make sure to find us online at SchurgSolutions.com or follow us on social media and LinkedIn at Schurg Solutions.